0: Welcome back. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon. Whatever time of day you're checking in with us, we appreciate it. And we're happy to have you back on another episode of Clubhouse Talk. This is Kylie Morrison, one of your co-hosts, alongside your other fantastic
1: co-host and Joseph Mraz. Joe, how are you doing this week? We are doing good. It was awesome to see the full scale of, of college football back. It was fun to watch. So glad to be here. Glad to break it down as we're looking forward to... Uh, getting the NFL in full swing this week too. Man, it was a beautiful five days of of five straight
0: days of having college football, seeing fans fully back in the stands, getting to see some of the fun traditions of college football, jump around and just other stuff like that. I mean,
1: it was, it was really, really cool to see. Yeah, it definitely was. I mean, it's cool to see, you know, more fans coming back. So it was a little limited a lot of places last year and it was a, yeah, it was just great. There was a lot of good games on, some surprising stuff, um, some not so surprising stuff, and uh, just all around fun to watch. Yeah, let's uh, let's go ahead and dig right on into to what
0: happened last week. I mean, if you want to go all the way back to the first day of college football, we the big heavyweight fight of the first night was was Ohio State and Minnesota, and we kind of talked about it that we thought Minnesota was going to hang around and. Uh, with Ohio State for most of the game, which they did. I mean, they were they were leading at a halftime 14-10, um, a big third quarter from the Ohio State. Uh, Buckeyes put them up ahead, and then they kind of held on there and winning by two scores, one of them being a kind of late score and more or less garbage time, so it was a little, bit more, uh, a little bit more handled than I guess the score even says at a 14-point win. But what did you think of the
1: Buckeyes' uh, first-game performance? Um, I thought it was kind of weak. But I, I, in a sense, kind of expected that. I think uh, C.J. Stroud came out a little little tight, didn't play that well in the first half, and then started to loosen up a little bit as the game went on and put to, ended up putting together a pretty good game. Um, but the, the main point of concern, I think, for Ohio State is that defense is not good. I mean, Ibrahim, the running back from Minnesota, got injured late in the third. But at that point, he had already put up, like, 150 um, two TDs. Yeah, I mean, just insane numbers. So that was kind of a theme towards the end of last year where Ohio State was getting run all over a little bit, and it looks like it's carrying over into this year uh, just with a, a new linebacking core. they got to figure out a way to stop the run. So I don't think, you know, as of right now, I'm very impressed with the product on the field. But I think as the season goes on, the offense is going to be really good. It's just going to be a matter of if they can hold teams at all or, or if they're going to need to put up pretty big numbers.
0: I agree with you. I, I think that offense is only going to get better um, the more they play with each other and they're going to put up points on any team in the country. So it's really going to be a matter of, can they, can they stop a team? And can they, uh, you know, keep them under 20 points for, for a game, which I don't know if what we've seen so far, they're going to be able to do it, it, one thing that plays in their, in their favorites. You've got a lot of teams in the big 10 that might want to try and play keep away. And run the ball to keep the ball out of Ohio State's hands and kind of run that clock down, give them less possessions. So that's that is one thing that could play into their favor, I guess, on the defense. But if they're if they're getting gashed for 115 in three and a half quarters, then or two and a half quarters at that point, then you, you've got some teams in the Big Ten that are probably licking their chops, thinking about it. they've got a, a chance. Teams like a uh, an Iowa or Wisconsin that are so uh, run heavy
1: offenses. I mean, yeah, it definitely looks that way. Um, so they'll they'll have to shore that up because I mean, Minnesota is a good football team, but they don't have the talent of, of you know some of the teams you just mentioned. You know, Throw uh, Penn State looked pretty good this week too, so throw them in there as well. Um, Michigan always has good, a pretty solid offensive line, so they'd be able to dictate a little bit on the run game. So I think you know there's there's definitely work to be to be done if they want to be the normal Ohio State.
0: Team. There's, there's no doubt. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that there's a lot of cause for concern. I mean, they're, with they people that came out to, uh, today, I think that they're still in the, the top four. I think they are number. They're three. They're three. So, um, there, there's really not much cause for concern there, uh, for any Ohio State fans out there. Um, I think that the team will get better. They'll, they'll learn a lot this week when they play Oregon. Um, It might be a little bit banged up Oregon team who also really struggled in their first game against Fresno State. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see what kind of product Ohio State brings out on the field coming back home for the first time this week. And what's a pretty, pretty heavy primetime top 15 matchup game day is going to be there. Uh, So the atmosphere will be good. It's just a matter of do they come out and do they uh, really, really put their will to to Oregon or is Oregon going to give them a run for their money?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it'll be interesting. I don't know a whole lot about the Oregon squad this year, but um, I agree with your point. I don't think there's any cause for concern, really. I mean, it's it's the first game of the year, and they played on the road at Minnesota, which has been a you know really good team, really well coached. And anytime Ohio State travels on the road, it's you know they're they're getting heckled pretty bad from the away crowd because they're kind of like the the Alabama of the Big Ten, if you will, where they've just been the title holder for so long. Um, but it will be interesting to see how they do against, you know, another another powerhouse school with similar caliber athletes that um, plays kind of a same speed West Coast style game.
0: Yeah, Oregon definitely has the athletes and the speed to be able to keep up with Ohio State um, Thibodeau, their best player and might be the best player in the country. Um, on their defensive line, got hurt in the game and he ended out, uh, got pulled in I think the third quarter, was in a walking boot by the fourth quarter. He hit The coach says that his status is day to day. In my experience of watching enough football when someone goes in a boot, tends to not be so good for them trying to play the next week. Hopefully it was all precaution, um, but that's a, that's a really, really big loss because that game changed a lot against Fresno State as soon as he went out is Uh, Fresno state started being able to really move the ball uh, on Oregon. They got started to dictate that game. And if that's the case that I think Ohio state could, it could get away from Oregon in the second half. If, if they play like they did the first week.
1: Mm -hmm. I agree.
0: So that's one thing to look forward to this coming Saturday. That's definitely the, uh, the, the best game of this coming week. There's no doubt about that. Um, But going back to the, this first week here you go, to, that was on Thursday night. You turn around on Friday night and yet UNC going on the road to Virginia tech and a game that we thought that UNC should be able to handle. They had a really good uh, quarterback and Sam Howell coming into the game of, uh, they did lose some talent, but Virginia tech really wasn't that great last year. Blacksburg isn't the easiest place to play. And uh, for the most part, Virginia tech was in control that game the whole time. They were up 14, nothing at halftime and ended up winning the game 17 to 10. It was really never in doubt.
1: No, it wasn't. I thought Sam Howell looked terrible, too. That was, I mean, that was not a, a good performance from the guy who's in the preseason Heisman talks, and, you know, that, that was just not good football, really. But West Virginia, I don't know if they look good or if UNC just looked bad, but they were in complete control of that game.
0: I think it was a little bit of – I think some people were kind of over – putting in too much stock to last year's UNC team, and they lost a lot. And then I think at the same time, maybe Virginia Tech was a little bit underlooked. Um, I, I do think that 10 probably, looking back on it, I mean, it's easy to say this now, but 10 was ten was pretty steep coming into the year for UNC at a preseason
1: poll. But, I agree.
0: But you've got – I mean, Virginia Tech came in, and they, they fed off that crowd. That's always an interesting place to play. Enter Sandman. The crowd really gets into it. First time having a full full stadium, and it it definitely wrecked havoc. There were some false start penalties, uh, just a lot of noise, bad decision making by Sam Howell through three picks, only two hundred yards. There really wasn't much good for for UNC, and frankly, as you'll hear as we go through more games, there wasn't a lot of good for the ACC in, in entirety on Saturday. That's for sure.
1: No, there really wasn't. I mean, honestly, other than Virginia Tech <laughs> beating one of the old members of the ACC, the rest of the ACC looked pretty bad. Yeah. Cause um, I mean, start, well, we'll get into it later, but Florida State didn't look terrible.
0: No, they. that was a valiant effort. Um, and, and, yeah, we'll get to that in a sec. Uh, you start looking into Saturday at games that you had. Um, Bama absolutely steamrolled Miami, which I don't, I don't know that we could say we're terribly surprised, but it's like, Miami didn't even look like they belonged on the field and they were a top 15 team coming into it, which be it as you will preseason poll. But I mean,
1: it did, it was not pretty from the, I will go back and roll the tape from last (laughs) week's episode. I told you this and I'm pretty sure I said 42 to 14 and I was a point off on both scores. So, but it's the same song and dance every year with Miami. They're just not a good football team anymore. They're not terrible, but they're just – they're not – everybody expects them to be like the U from, you know, the late 90s, early 2000s, and it's just not there anymore. They don't have the team. I mean, they were playing Alabama, who's, you know, fine, probably going to be the best team in the country or one of them this year. But they're not even in the same weight class, and it showed.
0: So do you think we learn more about that Alabama is just that prepared and they're going to be that good this year? Or do you think we learn more that Miami is not good at all?
1: I think it's just a mixture of both. I think Miami is like a, a mid-upper ACC team, and I think I would honestly, I would like to know this, and I don't know it off the top of my head, but when the last time Nick Saban lost a season opener was?
0: Uh, he has not at Alabama. He is 15-0. and 0.
1: Okay. So th- that's just my point. You can't give the guy that long to prepare for a team like that. <laughs> you know, it's just it's just not gonna happen. I think A, Bryce Young looked really good. So I think yes, now, he did. that was a you know, an uncertainty that got answered pretty early in the season. He looked like he knows what he's doing. And um, I mean, Alabama just looks like Alabama they do every year. It's just a disciplined team from the snap of the first quarter through the usually the triple zeros in the national championship score.
0: I'm not saying Alabama is going to be light years ahead of every other team and that you should just go ahead and call the national championship race over now, but you can say that they were light years ahead of every other team for the first week of the season. I mean, Absolutely agree. They, when we start at, talking about these other teams, we'll get to in a second that there are some really good teams that really struggled with their opponents in the first week. And there's really no shame in it. The first week's not easy on anybody, but well, wow, Bama just, Saban has them ready year in and year out. When you get to that first game, they are always ready and it looks like they're in mid season form when they come out for the first week, which is just really hard to do in any sport.
1: I agree. I think he just, he demands it from his players to be in mid season form from the second they step on the team. And I think when you have, you know, that natural competition inside the locker room, because there's, you know, there's probably five schools that that's is the case, but when you have, a starter who's probably a five-star recruit and then his backup's probably a five-star recruit and maybe even the third string's like a fourth or third star recruit at worst. You know, it's just, they have that internal competition and they're constantly pushing each other to get the best product on the field. And I think, I think it matters. And I think Saban's um, history of excellence and what is obviously known that he expects from his players every year that they just stay hungry to go out there and win.
0: I mean, I find it most interesting that even I didn't know this at the time, but when they got Bill O'Brien as their OC for this year, once again breaking in and breaking in a new OC, they didn't change Stark's offense. They made Bill O'Brien learn Stark's offense, and then Bill kind of put his own little twists on it, but the players really didn't have to learn a new scheme this offseason. They kept the same scheme, and it was the OC that kind of had to learn into it, which is an interesting way of going about it because when you get all these coordinator changes, you start thinking about teams that have to change their whole new philosophy. Well, for the players, they didn't have to learn it. They they just had to learn the extra little, little twist that Bill kind of threw on it. That is interesting. That was probably extremely helpful. Oh Yeah, I, I'm sure it is, especially for somebody like Bryce Young. Um, who hadn't had much game time experience coming into the year that he already felt comfortable having been in the system for years. So
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, props to you. You called it. I thought Miami would at least be able to put up half a fight and uh, they rolled over from the beginning of the game. So good, good call on that one, Joe. Uh, then you look at, you look at the number two team of the country, or the supposed number two team of the country in Oklahoma and they, They were playing Tulane in an interesting game. It was supposed to be in New Orleans, got moved to Norman because of uh, the Hurricane Ida, and so they were actually, even though it was at Norman, they played as the away team. It was a couple nice gestures there. Like, they gave Tulane all the proceeds for the game. They painted Tulane's logo on the field. But it came out early. It was 14-14 in the first quarter, and then Oklahoma scores 23 unanswered. In the the second, you kind of felt like, okay, well – Oklahoma's really waking up and they're going to be their natural self. And then they come out completely flat in the second half and they barely hold on to win 40 to 35 with Tulane having a chance to win it at the end of the game after recovering it onside
1: kick. Yeah, that was, that was pretty surprising. I mean, I, I like, I'm, I'm sure most people did flipped off of it at halftime and then, you know, was checking updates and, and saw that Tulane and battled all the way back. I mean, Tulane, it, they're like, Sneaky competitive, I feel like sometimes, but Oklahoma should have handedly won this game, and and so who knows, you know why? Honestly, could have just been they lost interest at halftime, but that's kind of an unexcusable thing because the first half they looked great. Remember, second quarter mainly, but they looked like you know Oklahoma fast putting up points, and then second half it was like what they score three points in the second half. Yeah, they scored
0: three times. I mean, I don't care who you're playing. You're Oklahoma. You should be able to put up more than three points and a half on somebody. And to do it against Tulane in that that position, I mean, it was, it was really surprising. I mean, yeah. there's no excuse for coming out that flat. Not that in, Tulane's a good team, and it'll be interesting to see what they do against the rest of their competition. But like you said, they don't have the athletes, and they shouldn't have been able to compete the way that they did, only losing by five at Oklahoma.
1: Yeah, I mean – Oklahoma. I mean, I don't. I mean, maybe it won't. It probably wouldn't matter. But Oklahoma got handed a gift that they got an extra home game on the schedule, pretty much, and they uh, they left some questions. That you know, who knows if that game's in New Orleans, what happens?
0: Yeah, I mean, they they were dropped after this to the, I believe, the fourth spot in the mm-hmm. poll. So clearly, the AP voters kind of took a little bit of note of this to drop them to drop them on down uh after that performance so that was an interesting one early th- uh, on Saturday afternoon uh Saturday night A&M won 41 to 10 over Kent State uh this game was 10 to 10 to 3 at halftime so this was one of those that was un- kind of a little bit uncomfortable for how long it stayed in a, as a game but then A&M did what good teams do which is uh they, they showed up in the second half and they they kind of pummeled them away. But that one was a little bit of a flat performance coming out of the first week as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I'll be honest. I didn't, I didn't, catch any of that game. Um, just saw, sort of saw the score at the end. Well,
0: it's not a, it's, it's not a game <laughs> they I'm sure a lot of people were checking in on, although if you watch uh, Scott Van Pelt's bad beat segments, there was a horrible bad beat in that game. Um, the, the, Kent state was getting 29 and a half points in that game and their kicker missed two kicks inside 25 yards in the last two minutes of the game. Oh, so brutal, oh. brutal beat. If you had <laughs> plus 29 and a half, although if you are betting on Kent state to cover 29 and a half to a in the first week, I have to question what you're, what you're doing with your money.
1: So almost respect it.
0: <laughs> so that one, they got moved up to the fifth spot, which I, I want to talk about a little bit later. Cause I really, there's some things in the AP poll this week that are, genuinely don't understand um, Iowa state once again a flat performance they lost last year to Louisiana Lafayette which we found out was a pretty darn good team but it was they lost their home opener last year and they come out extremely flat to northern iowa and barely hang on winning 16 to 10 that was not an inspiring performance by them at all
1: no and and they're kind of becoming that team that gets a touch overrated every season in my opinion so I think they're going to have everything they can handle against Iowa this upcoming week because Iowa looked like they had a have a real team.
0: Yeah. Let's, let's get into that game next. Um, Iowa absolutely pummeled Indiana. I mean, it was ugly from, from the beginning. Iowa went down, scored quick, early first drive for Indiana. Uh, Looking at it going three and out. Penix throws the ball, bounces off his receiver's helmet, pick six down 14, nothing, two and a half minutes into the game. I mean, it, it was off to the races from there. They were they never sniffed even being competitive.
1: No. I mean, this was a vintage Iowa team, you know, battle in the trenches, pocket passer. I mean, it, they look good. They might be a sneaky challenger in the Big Ten this year, but and Indiana looked bad. They looked like the Indiana that we got used to seeing for the last 20 years, and not the one that we saw in the beginning of last year. That was not a good football team.
0: Pennix did not look comfortable. They looked awful. I mean, someone that's come back from a lot of injuries, I can't can't blame the guy coming off of his ACL last year, but, man, he did not really look comfortable moving around in the pocket, made a lot of really poor throws, poor decisions. Uh, but, yeah, really, really bad, bad just fall-in-your-face type of moment for Indiana because this is the most hype that their fan base has been coming into a season in a long, long time. And yeah. here we stand at that, and it's just, of one of those of like, wow.
1: And I think Iowa's a good team. So I don't think it's just, you know, Indiana's this abysmal team and I'm not going to pencil them in. as just being trash the rest of the season, but that was a, uh, that was a very underwhelming performance.
0: It, it definitely showed a lot of where I think the big 10 standings really are of looking at, you know, who are going to be the powerhouses. And the other big one that, that kind of showed where, where the big 10 stands was the Penn state Wisconsin game, which was just I think it was the most beautiful big 10 football game you'll ever see. The game was zero, zero at halftime. Mm -hmm. Um, Really should have been 14, nothing at at bare minimum. uh, And to Wisconsin. And then they kind of picked up the fireworks with a couple of bombs. The second half finished 16 to 10 Penn state squeaking out the win. Wisconsin should have won the game by all, by all stretch and imagination. I mean, they, uh, They had so many chances in the red zone. I think they had the ball three times inside the 10 yard line and didn't get any points out of all three of those trips, which is beyond horrendous. Just a lot of, a lot of self mistakes there for, for Wisconsin, but a really, really huge win for Penn state and for James Franklin to start the year after how horribly things started last year. And now they get this position this year.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I think you hit the nail on the head. I think Wisconsin should have won the game, but they didn't. And I think, you know, I think those are two both, from what I saw watching games, two good football teams that are uh, probably going to wreak some havoc in the Big Ten. I mean, um, obviously Wisconsin needs to find a way to get the ball in the end zone. And, um, you know, but that was pretty much how I expected the game to be. It was tight the whole way through. Uh, I thought Wisconsin would have edged it out. I think I picked that last week. But Penn State was able to to capitalize a little bit better than they did. And, got it. It's, such, out. it's such a huge momentum. Down. Oh yeah,
0: it's that's so much momentum for them going into the season. I mean, you get you now you got Auburn coming to town in a couple of weeks to Happy Valley. That's going to be a really really huge game now. Um and, and it just sets them up beautifully for the rest of the season in the Big 10 race. Uh, I mean, getting that game up is unbelievably big for them and it's just as crushing for Wisconsin in the Big 10 West whenever games going to matter. And we could look back on the first week and being like, wow, that, you know, the game that they should have had, and that's going to, that could be the one that cost them getting into the big 10 championship game.
1: Yeah. And it, it always comes down to one game in, in that, uh that division, but they, they got some help. I think with Minnesota losing, but.
0: Um. They get, get some nice help. I think that, Minnesota will be one of those teams that probably will sneak up and beat somebody they shouldn't this year, Um, just because I think they've got the talent to do so. But I don't think that they're in... I don't think Minnesota's going to make a run. They're just probably going to be one of those teams that you catch them on the wrong week at the wrong time for you if you're a little beat up and and they're rested. That that might be a potential upset later in the season type team. Mm -hmm. Trying to look at... You had Florida really struggled against FAU. This is a Kiffinless FAU. So, this is not a team that really should have come into the swamp and competed at all. It was 14 0 at halftime, ended 35 uh, 14. You had Emery Jones looked absolutely terrible for Florida. Um, and now their backup in him are kind of competing for, for snaps this week as they, they have South Florida this week, and then they got to get ready for Bama in two weeks. They don't have a lot of time to have co- uh, quarterback controversy, but here they are. They thought they had their starter for the whole offseason. He comes in and plays terrible, and the backup plays good, and
1: boom, now you don't know who to play. Yeah, that's never a good feeling. That uh, that was another game I didn't, didn't really check out, but you know, that will be interesting to see what happens when they bring in the big boys. <laughs> yeah, you, you got two weeks to
0: figure it out there, Florida. Um, this one was probably the most newsworthy game of the weekend in terms of LSU losing at UCLA we both liked LSU in that game and LSU didn't just lose they got beat they got beat handily and they got beat in a way that I don't think anybody was expecting them to get beat which is physically at the line of scrimmage UCLA dominated that game on both ends
1: yeah I was shocked to say the least Um, I thought that was a free money game and it was anything but I mean, UCLA. Absolutely obliterated them and Cocho's caught some fire since and honestly justifiably so because that that the way they lost should have never been the way they did. I mean, you could see I mean foreseeably see UCLA getting some lucky plays and you know kind of sneaking something out, going over the you get a couple
0: you get a couple fluke bounces on a tipped pass or or you have a really bad decision on a pick six and some comes back to bite you, like that happens, but this was this was pure – I mean, they flat out won the game from start to finish.
1: Never should an SEC West powerhouse like LSU get pushed around by a you know, middle-of-the-tier Pac-12 team.
0: I agree. I mean, the athletes, even if UCLA is good, I think the LSU should be able to go out there and they should own that line of scrimmage, that they should be the more physical football
1: team, and they weren't, which is oh. really concerning. I mean two years ago, LSU was probably the best football team in the history of college football. Arguably, yeah. They are I mean,
0: that 2019 team is arguably the best team to ever step foot on the field.
1: Every year they have top ten recruiting classes, or even, you know, top five on occasion. But you know, I don't I don't want to say it, but Coach O's had a he had a pretty brutal resume until he got to LSU. And maybe he just inherited a good situation for miles and is that problem building the program out on his own, but.
0: There are a lot uh, of people saying that. I mean, they look at it and it's like, you start looking at what he's done. And it really isn't impressive aside from when he had one of the most talented teams ever. And it's like, I think me and you could have gone out there and called plays and we could have won LSU a national championship that year.
1: Or gotten close. I mean, it, it just the last two years have not looked good. And I get, you know, you get a lot longer leash when you win a national championship, but. He's got to figure out how to put a winning product on the field because that was not what an LSU was wanting to see. He
0: looks so – I mean, the comparisons are getting really, really eerily similar to a Gene Chizik in that Gene Chizik –
1: I absolutely agree with that.
0: Gene Chizik had Cam Newton and he won his national championship and looked great, and then all of a sudden he he loses Cam and then Auburn couldn't do anything afterwards – when he couldn't get that roster to have all of those, all those players again. And it's like, well, Kojo had, he had Joe Burrow and had that roster and then now look at him. And it's like, he might, he might be a guy that gets canned two or three years after a national championship, which is crazy, but I wouldn't put it past it. If he has another really bad year, I could see him being out of there before they did the season.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that's probably an extremely fair comparison.
0: It, it's really eerily similar when you start looking at the coaching records. So that's something to keep track of this year. Um, you had Texas uh, whooped up on Louisiana Lafayette, which we both expected Texas to win. I did not expect them to whoop up on them as good as they did. Hats off to where Sark has that team going. Um, any any thoughts or uh, comments on that game?
1: No, I mean, they, they look good. They should have won that game. They did. You know, Better athletes, better coaching. That looked like a you know, a decent football team. From Agreed. The bits and pieces I saw.
0: Texas is not back. I'm not saying that, but Texas did look good. Um, promise you, we're getting through these. Uh, then you had Notre Dame Sunday night with an absolute just. This was the game of the weekend. When it, it when talking about from start to finish of the best game to watch was no doubt this Florida State Notre Dame game. Um, just really really cool story of you had you had Notre Dame getting up big and it seemed like the game was in control a arguable call went against Notre Dame and what could have been a personal foul penalty that probably would have started to let the game ice got the ball back to Florida State they sat there and they made their comeback he had Mackenzie Milton get into the game a guy who hasn't played since 2018 for UCF uh, when he snapped his leg in half basically playing USF at the end of the year hadn't hasn't seen a field since gets in there and leads Florida state on this comeback. And they tie the game up before overtime, send it in overtime and Florida state falls up just short. But I, this was an absolute thriller to watch.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it, it really was a great game. I, I know it was a lot closer than most people expected, but I, I really think both teams played pretty good football to be completely honest. I don't, I didn't watch that game and was like, oh, my God, Notre Dame's missing so many opportunities. I mean, they, they haven't been a team that's put up a ton of points. And Jack Cohn out there in his first start looked phenomenal. He had he, some amazing throws. He had some amazing throws from a guy who's supposed to, you know, or was and broadcasted as pretty much a game manager. Um, looked like he's got a little bit more under the hood than just that. Um, so they put up a lot of points, got off to a pretty big lead. And then the Mackenzie Milton story comes in. And it was not fun for a hot minute to be a Notre <laughs> Dame fan watching that. But at the same time, you got to respect the hell out of it. I mean, the guy, there was talks of he was getting his leg amputated because the, the surgeries went so bad. He had so much nerve damage in his knee. And to go out there and, and play the way he did it was really admirable and, you know, awesome story. And, and got in there because, you know, Travis lost helmet his helmet. helmet.
0: No, it'll play he loses his helmet how about that if you i mean he might it was really weird cuz McKenzie Millen was talked about possibly being the starter coming into the game and then he doesn't get the nod and their other quarterback played decent and not enough to get himself benched and get McKenzie in there and loses his helmet and then all of a sudden McKenzie just starts comes out in the first play it's just like a 25 yard dime to the uh on an outside throw to the sideline and it was like oh okay and then he showed some really great poise a lot of really good decision making on two straight drives and and tied it up and it was absolutely fantastic to see the guy was dubbed a medical miracle the fact that he's still playing football um they were talking about he may not ever be able to walk without being in pain let alone try and run and throw a football and get hit it's there was, was awesome. everybody, everybody in America, I think even Notre Dame fans had to kind of tip their hat and be like, this is this is such a cool story. And this is what makes college football so amazing is getting stories like this that I don't think you get in any other sport.
1: No, I mean, I absolutely agree. And as a fan, I, I thought it was phenomenal to see him out there playing. I mean, Grant, I'm, I'm glad he didn't win the game. But <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, it was pretty much a miracle that he could even get cleared to play on a roster. And then he goes out there and he looked like the Mackenzie Milton of old because he was the guy who was the starting quarterback at UFC or UCF UCF when they were one of the the better teams in the country, you know, the quote unquote national champs. Um, But they're, they're claimed national
0: championship.
1: He still got it. So it it was cool. I'm glad he got an opportunity um, to not only play again in college, but you know, to, play at Florida state and who knows how the situation will unfold, but, you know, compete for the starting spot, I guess.
0: It'll be cool to see what Florida state does um, going forward. They run a lot of transfers. Mike Norvell maybe really starts to see like his, uh, his team's buying into his vision. Um, and it, it the sports better when Florida state's good. So seeing that type of game was I agree. fantastic on the first week. The last game, the last big game was Monday night. You had Ole Miss. Absolutely, throttle Louisville, there really wasn't much to talk about here, other than that Ole Miss looks like they have a defense. Which, if that's the case, that's a really scary proposition for the rest of the SEC.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is because that that off. I mean, some of the stats they're spitting out last night about Ole Miss's offense was just like insane. They were averaging like a play every eighteen seconds, which is stupid fast. And they're averaging, or last season, they averaged eighty plays per game on offense. And I think if you get above seventy that's pretty high. And they were averaging 80. Um, so Louisville was not a good football team last year. So I don't know if they're going to be, if that was a good um, scale of reference, but, you know, just like you said with Florida state, wouldn't it be bad to see Ole Miss back there being a good football team, mixing it up in the sec West, like they did in the, you know, early 2010s.
0: I think that's the second toughest game on Alabama's schedule. Looking at it, you've got that game, even though it's in Tuscaloosa, A&M's the toughest, but that game will not be easy. And it wasn't easy last year because if there's one thing Kevin Seem's going to do, it's going to be able to put up points. I don't know if they're going to stop Bryce Young, but you could see a 66-63 type of game break out. And I wouldn't be the least bit surprised just seeing what I mean, it's what happened last year. and it, it, But if they have a defense – it will be really scary because that will make them be a whole lot more competitive against some really tough teams. Because that's the thing that they didn't have last year, and mm-hmm. and not that Louisville's a great team. They have some athletes, and that's a high-powered offense in the ACC themselves. And they absolutely they shut them down. They held them to scoreless in the first half, and yeah, they kind of traded scores in the second half. But the game was really never in doubt. So when they were when they were trying hard, they they shut them out.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was, um, it was a good-looking team. But uh, speaking of offensive shutouts, Georgia Clemson.
0: Yes. Uh, that was surprising how low scoring of a game it was. 10-3, to three, Georgia. You called it. I'm giving you hats off. You called that Kirby would get his big-notch win. I thought Clemson was going to be the more desperate team. But uh, the only person desperate was DJ uh, Ugolai, running for his life on every single play that they passed it because the guy was under duress within two seconds because George's defensive
1: line blew through the Clemson O line at the entire night. Yeah. I mean they, they did, but on the flip side, Georgia's offense was equally as poor. Yeah, I, it
0: it's so weird to try and look at this and figure out how you think about the teams. Georgia didn't score an offensive touchdown. Their only touchdown was a pick six.
1: I'm this is a bold Statement, but I genuinely don't know if either of these teams are that good. I think they're top 10 teams, but if you can't score a single offensive touchdown, I don't care if you're playing the Patriots. Like, not one with the caliber of players that they have on the field on either side. And I mean, Clemson gave up a lot of points last year. I don't, you know, exactly remember how much they gave up to both Notre Dame and Ohio State. I know Ohio State was a ton. And I can't imagine that their defense got that much better over the offseason that they should be shutting down Georgia the way they did.
0: No, I don't think it, they should have held Georgia to no touchdowns. Um, it was even sadder for Clemson, considering a couple of the times they had great field position and they still got nothing out of it. And it really wasn't like they, they only had one drive that they really threatened to get anywhere close to the end zone. It was a field goal drive for Clemson and Georgia really didn't threaten much themselves. They had a missed field goal, a made field goal and the pick six. And other than that, they weren't threatening either. So I, it's I really don't know what to think about that game because part of me wants to sit there and say, "Hey, the defenses are great." And the other part of me wants to sit there and say like, "Man, Georgia, you're not going to you're not going to beat teams in the SEC if you only score 10 points because you're not going to hold teams. You're certainly not holding Alabama to 3 points." No. <laughs> No, oh, I, don't I, mean, so. I don't think you're even holding, holding Florida to three points. I mean, there's some teams that's going to be able to put up points on you. So they have got to figure that out on their side and figure it out in a hurry. Um, before they, before they start getting into the meat of their schedule. Otherwise they may slip up and lose a game that they can't afford to lose if they want to make this play, make the playoffs, but it is huge for them because they do have a free pass now after winning this game.
1: Yes, they do. Um, because Clemson will be able to put together a good record because they're in the ACC, which as we've touched on, does not look very good. Um, But yeah, I just, I can't help but think like either there, I just don't, I don't believe that both of those defenses are that good. I'm sure that they're both top tier defenses. And I don't want it to be taken out of context that like these are two big 12 defenses and these offenses are just terrible, but you got to be able to move the ball. I mean, the game was played solely between the 20s and turnovers. Yeah. It was just sloppy, really. just wasn't very crisp offensive football. And I thought, honestly, one of UGA's strengths this year was going to have JT Daniels back and have a much better offense than they had last year. And that was anything but.
0: We will learn a lot very quickly going forward, but – you know, we may look back at this first game of a three-versus-five, and I will say I think it was pretty rude of them to drop Clemson as far as they did. I couldn't believe they dropped him all the way to six behind AM. I thought that was a bit extreme considering you're going to move Georgia all the way up to two. And they still only – yeah, they lost. They only lost by touchdowns. So it's not like they got slaughtered by Georgia. Um, yeah, that one was a little bit interesting on the eight people to me.
1: Yeah, but good news for Clemson doesn't matter. Well, Oh yeah,
0: it doesn't really matter. They, you win the ACC, go eleven. Or if
1: Clemson four. wins out, they'll be in the playoff. They
0: they absolutely should be in the playoff unless something else crazy happens for the rest of the year. Um, they'd have to have some pretty pretty amazing things happen. Of some scenarios of Georgia and Pamela both going undefeated, and a lot of other a lot of other undefeated teams is basically what happened. Mm-hmm. Which. As we've seen, it's just not easy to do anymore. The last thing, the last thing I've noted before I promised to move off of last week, was there is some pretty. Uh, if there were five SCS teams to beat FBS teams, which has not happened since like 2012. Um, most notably, you had Washington losing to Montana, a ranked Washington team lose to Montana. You had East uh, East Tennessee, uh, ETSU throttle Vanderbilt, which. I know Vanderbilt's bad, but they throttled Vanderbilt. I don't care who you are, an SEC team. SEC team should not be losing by 20, and it could have been worse on their own field to an FCS team and Georgia Tech lost to Northern Illinois. Um, just some bad performances there uh, this
1: weekend. Yeah, that um, that's pretty inexcusable. So maybe this Kinda is true.
0: Yeah, maybe it's the year of the young guys. I mean – They've, they've talked about it with kind of how the super season season worked of maybe some guys have transferred out and had to transfer from their programs and uh, they got their extra year of eligibilities. So some of these lower teams might have a little bit better talent than normal. Um, and it is the first week of the season. So we'll see how that trend continues. So many, so many teams continue to struggle against inferior opponents throughout the year. Uh, we look ahead to week two very quickly like i said this is not a very good slate of games we got really spoiled with the with the first week and now we kind of take a little bit of a step back here this weekend you had the you have the oregon ohio state game which is going to be a noon game um noon eastern that's where game day is going to be at that's a that's going to be an interesting game you have the arkansas texas game which i think will be very interesting the other really big one is that night um, Iowa Iowa State, which is going to be a fantastic should be a fantastic game, and that will tell us a lot about both of those teams.
1: I'm 100 with you. I think I think we'll see a lot on on just those, and if Ohio State can put together a better defensive result, and then if Iowa is the real deal, I suppose.
0: If you want to let's make a let's make an official podcast pick on this one, Joe. Iowa, Iowa State, at Iowa State, um, who you got in this game?
1: Iowa. They look too good to be picked against.
0: I will, for sake of argument, and actually I do think this as well, I will take Iowa State. I think that they they do it every year of start off bad and get better. I'm going to think that they, they find a way to pull it out, although Iowa has won I think the last five in a row of this series in the uh, uh, Cyclone-Hawkeye matchup here. So we'll see who wins the battle battle for the state of Iowa. The last game, which we don't really have to go in depth to, it's not a – by no means is it a big game to watch. But you've got Tennessee versus uh, Pitt on Saturday. It will be a cool game. They're honoring Johnny Majors. Uh, For those who don't know, Johnny Majors was a player at Tennessee – he then coached at Pitt and he won a national championship at Pitt before coming back and being hired at Tennessee did not win a national championship at Tennessee, but did win an sec championship. Uh, he passed away earlier in 2021. So they're going to be, they've dubbed it the Johnny majors classic. Uh, they're going to do some cool honorings for him before the game. It's it, it's, it'll be a really nice gesture. It, it's funny how this has worked out of having this type of game in the priest, you know, on the schedule the year that you can be able to honor him and him being such a meaningful person to both programs and the history of their programs.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I didn't know anything about him until we talked about it pre-show. So that'll be a cool little tribute.
0: Yeah. It'll be a cool tribute game. And it's a big game for Tennessee for their season to figure out where they really stand against a legitimate opponent of they looked okay against Bowling Green. Some moments of good, some moments of bad. So I think this is where Tennessee fans will really start to learn what do we expect? Do we expect five and seven? Do we expect closer to seven and five? Um, this game will, will be the telling tale. So we'll move on from college football unless you got anything else you want to wrap it up with, Joe? I do not. Okay. Well, then we'll take a quick peek. As I can't believe it's amazing. You jump right out of college football and you get your one weekend, and then boom, NFL football starts this Thursday night. Bucks and Cowboys. And you go right into the first full full slate of NFL games. What are you looking forward to this week?
1: Uh, I mean, nothing in particular. I just I think the the NFL differs a lot from college in the fact that it's it's kind of a new product on the team every year. For a lot of teams, you have your your consistent um, powerhouses, if you will. But uh, there's always those teams that sneak in there. So I'm just trying to see who looks like they might be the team to make kind of a an undercut. Um, I'm interested to see Mac Jones as the starter for new England. Um, but you know, other than that, just kind of interested to see that interested to see what happens with the new Orleans Packers game, as well as uh, new Orleans starts Jameis Winston for the first time after the retirement of Drew Brees. Uh, so those are kind of the main storylines, I guess, um, I think going into this week.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you. There's there, you got the rookies, you got, um, Trevor Lawrence is going to be making his first start. You got Justin mm-hmm. um, making his first start for the Jets. Uh, there's a couple other games. I think the Titans Cardinals game Week One is a really interesting, fun game. Uh, you've got the Chiefs Browns game in the afternoon should be a thriller. Right? If we remember how that AFC, or how that game went in the playoffs last year, it was an absolute thriller. Now you got healthy teams. Um, I think that she should hopefully or should be able to win that game. But the Browns are a really highly regarded team, and if they want to, if they want to say that they're really going to be a top dog and a competitor for the AFC Championship game, what better time than to come out and, and knock off the AFC champs for the last two years in the Chiefs? None. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't make a bigger statement than that. And going to their place too. So there's, there's a lot of really fun games. I think there should be a lot of really good games, just looking at it a lot of really evenly matched teams like Eagles and Falcons play week one. Those are two kind of lower, lower scale teams, but they're really evenly matched Vikings Bengals evenly matched in my opinion, Chargers and Washington. That's, that's going to be an interesting game to see what Washington has and how Justin Herbert develops after a great rookie year. So that that's what I'm looking forward to. I think the most is seeing a lot of the QB play and seeing how the guys who are first with, you know, their first years with the team, or maybe a couple of these guys that had good years last year, see how they develop and come in their second year. Do they take steps forward? Um, Do they kind of hold steady in their development, that type of thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I absolutely agree. Um I'm interested to see Joe Burrow come back. I mean, the list just kind of goes on and on. There's just a lot of little things, nothing, um, you know, too big, but definitely excited to get the NFL rolling again. It's you know, one of my favorite uh, leagues, if you will, to watch throughout the season. And uh, there's going to be some interesting storylines this year. I'm interested to see, you know, if the Buccaneers can defend and, and bring some of that Brady culture where he's never satisfied coming off the Super Bowl. Um, I'm interested to see how much Aaron Rodgers has affected the, the Green Bay locker room. On the field um but you know all in all i'm just excited to see professional football again
0: yeah it's always a nice kind of change of pace you, you feel like the college football day is such a marathon and it, it feels like a marathon that it goes on all day but at the same time it's like a sprint that there's it's much more fast paced and a lot's happening in so many games and it and then you kind of move over to the nfl where it seems like it's a little bit more a little easier to watch on a Sunday afternoon and you can just kind of kick back and, and check out a couple games um, as, as they're going on other than maybe if you're a, a big fantasy player then I'm sure you're, you're actively checking what's happening with your fantasy players.
1: Yeah, I think I think the main difference is just the, how equally matched NFL teams are compared to, to college. Because, I mean, it it's not that far of a stretch to say that the worst team in the NFL could upset the, the best. I mean, it's unlikely, but it, it does happen. You know, you're not going to see Alabama lose to an FCS team. There's not. Um, So they're just different in that regards. You know, college has a lot of different styles, which is cool. You get, you know, your Iowa, Wisconsin ground and pound teams, and then you get, you know, your West Coast air raid style teams as well in college. So there's just a little bit more of a spectrum where in the NFL, most teams run a very similar style offense with a little bit of variation in them. Um, they all have
0: so, their little a t- little twist to a scheme, but it's mm-hmm. the same thing. There's there's very few teams that have a separate scheme. I mean the Chiefs might be one of them and it's really always just player based too. I mean, you know, are you a team like the Steelers that are meant for ground and pound? Or are you a team like like the Chiefs that might be to air it out a little bit more and have Patrick Mahomes roll out and and utilize his legs? That that's about the biggest the biggest difference, which is like I said, it's a nice change of pace. It's different. It's nice that they are different, um, and it's a lot more fun to watch the professionals at it because it's typically a lot cleaner and a lot, lot more pure football.
1: Yep, I agree.
0: So there's a lot to look forward to. I think it's a lot of little question marks, like we said, and see who who comes out in the NFL season ready to go um, and see if anybody makes a surprising statement either in a loss or a team that comes out better than we expect them um, to come out. And you know maybe really whoop up on the team, so that's where that's where the NFL stands. I mean, you got anything else you want to jump on that before We maybe finish this out with a little baseball talk.
1: No, not really. I think you know the NFL's. I'll just one last thought. The NFL's a little different in college because you can lose one game and it's no big deal. College, you know, for the big contenders, if they lose the first game, it it has some serious implications. So it's kind of more of just seeing what's out there and watching the teams get settled into their their style. But. Yep.
0: I mean, those conference records mean – they mean something in the NFL, but they mean a whole lot more in college because it's mm-hmm. a record, and then you start going to tiebreakers with conference for divisions and all that. So the overall record is what matters the most in the NFL versus you lose one game in conference and you talk about you only have eight of them. That's a lot bigger deal when you have 17 games in the NFL. Absolutely. Um. So looking back at baseball, we may have been a little bit premature in trying to call the NL East last week there, Joe. Uh, we both came mm-hmm. – ah, Braves got it. They they got the division in hand. I think they were up three and a half, four games on the Phillies and had another game and a half on the Mets, and then they go out west. And truly no shame in how they played against the Dodgers. Uh, frankly, they could have easily won two of those three games. They got swept uh, some – some bad bullpen management, um, some not timely hitting. It is what it is. You lose to LA. The Braves, LA just seems like a house of horrors for the Braves the last five or six years. So I'm really not going to pick that much. And then Colorado's not an easy place to play. They're the third best team in baseball at home, but overall, it's just a really bad road trip. And you look up and the Phillies are sitting there a game and a half back now as we start today.
1: Yes. Um, Definitely not ideal. I guess we, just assume that the Braves were so hot coming into last week's episode that the, the train would keep rolling, but that train crashed somewhere in LA. Um, I mean, it's like you said, the Dodgers are just a good baseball team. It's not like they were playing, you know, the the diamondbacks and just got skull dragged. I mean, they're they're just better um, overall. Look
0: at Cody Bellinger hitting
1: eighth. Yeah, I mean it's stupid. It's stupid. Like-
0: what? Um, <laughs> they have then, built the all-star team that everyone trades for in their own fantasy baseball games and, and feel so good about themselves when they go win 110 games on, a, on MLB The Show.
1: You could have put that team together on The Show, and they did it <laughs> in real life. Um, but, you know, we talked – or you talked about this like a month back when we were looking ahead at the, the Braves' schedule about the Rockies being a difficult team to, to play on the road. Who knows why that is? Could just be the altitude – Honestly, that's not not trying to be sarcastic. I, I, don't, I really don't know. Um, it is a little bit of that. I mean, <laughs> that
0: their pitchers are really good at pitching there, and you got a lot of teams that aren't good at pitching there because um, mm-hmm. it, it's a very big thing, and it's not just the pitching. I mean, you've got the oxygen levels of how the players feel playing the games. So it, it's not, not an easy thing. They took two out of two, which not great, but you'll kind of take it at the same time.
1: Yeah. A lot so, of
0: good teams who get beat there this year.
1: We will see how they do in, in this homestand coming up. Um, I mean we got it's the Marlins. A big home stand. We got the Marlins coming into town and in this weekend, so that could be a good opportunity to beat up on an inferior team. Um, so I still knock on wood if I can find some. And confident <laughs> that the Braves are gonna win the East, but it definitely got a little scary there when the, the Phillies rattled off six straight wins yeah
0: it was six or they are they're eight and two in their last ten and the Mets are seven and three well while the Braves are four and six which is exactly why the the differential I mean they're only four games up on the Mets um and the Phillies are looking prime for a wild card spot with what's happened since Cincinnati's dropped off we knew that San Diego was slight was sliding so you got Phillies are right there at the wild card um but this is a you alluded to the homestand. It's a nine-game homestand, three Washington, three Miami, three Colorado. And as good as Colorado is at home, they are horrible, horrible on the road. Historically worst team in baseball, like of all time type of stuff here on the <laughs> road. So, so this is a big chance now where they need they need to go six and three or seven and two in this type of homestand. I, I mean, there's there's really no way around it because you turn around, you, go, you have to go back out to San Fran for three. And four against Arizona and three, three and a quarter, I guess, because you got a makeup game with San Diego. You got to finish out that they're already losing because it's a resume from a suspended game earlier. So that's not an easy road trip to go back out there. And then they come home and they finish it off with the Phillies and the Mets. So you you've got to make up your ground here to be able to hold on for dear life when you make that last road trip. And then you come off to finish off the season in what should be. Really, really meaningful games that last week of the, the end of September and beginning of October.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's going to be a, a sprint to the finish. I mean, this is, in my opinion, the best month in sports. You get some meaningful baseball. You've got football back. I mean, it's it's for sports fans who I imagine if you've listened through about an hour of this already, that you are. This is our glory days right here. This is what we look forward to every year, this little month and a half.
0: If you're listening to this and you don't like sports, I just have a lot of questions for you. That's <laughs>
1: Like,
0: Please DM me because I have questions for you. Yes. Um, yes. You appreciate it, nonetheless. I just have a couple questions. So, no, I mean, th- this is a really, really fun time. You get playoff races, um, college football in full swings, get into conference games, NFL starts up. You, you got something to watch every single night. So there's no excuse of, it sucks. We have to almost carve out an hour of our time of, of turning away from sports just to just to do this podcast, but we we enjoy it nonetheless because we get to sit here and look at what all is happening and try and recap it for you guys and give her a little twist on it. Yes, we do. So that's that's about where I stand. So big big week um, for Braves for Tennessee. I think Ohio State's got a got a nice game there. That's going to be a pretty big one. Um, so fun week for us. Yes, yes, it is. All righty. Well, we'll let uh, let everyone get on out of here, and uh, we will be back at you next week with a recap of of where everything stands. Go Braves. Go Braves.